Merry Christmas, Valley family. Thank you for joining us today at our, our noon service here. This is the big week. We're coming right into it. Uh, it's, it's almost so much planning and preparation, it's hard to believe it's actually here. Um, and and want to really encourage you, if you haven't yet registered, uh, to reserve your seats uh, for one of our four Christmas Eve services. Uh, I say services, it's really going to be more of like an experience, as I was thinking about what we have planned uh, and in store for everyone. And I think you'll understand that a little bit better. Uh, after you've attended. So uh, register for or reserve your seat for one of our Christmas Eve uh, experiences, really. The first one's already full at, at 11 o'clock. We were like way over capacity on that one. I think we have room in the other ones, though. Uh, at least we did at 8.30 this morning. Who knows what's happened? Uh, it tends to be like that week of that, that there's a lot of folks that jump in there. And use these as a little invitation, you know, to invite your friends, family members uh, to the service as well. And, uh, and I'll be talking about that a little bit uh, in, in the message in, in just a minute. But I, I was going to be uh, speaking on, we're looking at the names of Jesus prophetically that, that were spoken uh, 800 years almost before uh, Mary gave birth to him. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, and today I was going to talk about the Prince of Peace uh, and, and call it the Fresh Prince, but I decided to go in a different direction, uh, and, and there's a reason for that. And, and so we're, we are kind of unpacking these prophetic names that God gave to Isaiah, the prophet, uh, of who the Savior was going to be. And uh, I want to jump right in and, and look at that. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 is where we've been. This is actually week number three in the series and it says there, speaking of the Savior, Jesus, who was going to come, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, that was week number one, Mighty God, that was what we talked about last week, Everlasting Father, I want to look at that today, the Prince of Peace, and we'll touch on that in our Christmas services, on Christmas Eve. But, but everlasting father, you know, as a pastor uh, for, for over 30 years, uh, I, I've seen this play out so many times, uh, a person's relationship with their father, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's healthy, whether it's unhealthy, whether father is involved, whether he's aloof and detached, whether he's present or, or whether he's just not even there. So many times in people's lives, their relationship with their father, good, bad, or indifferent, gets projected upon their heavenly father. And, and uh, it, it really, a lot of times, it, it becomes something that, that's really tough to work through at times. Now, I'm a dad. I am not a perfect father at all. Uh, our heavenly father is perfect, but I'm not. And, and, uh, and, and what I want to do is I, I really felt like, especially this Christmas for for couple reasons, but I, I want to talk about who's your daddy with, with, with this, this name that Isaiah said, he'll be called Everlasting Father, Everlasting Father, because sometimes there's like a, can I put it this way, a, a father wound that people have because their father wasn't there. But because of maybe something, they're, they're, maybe their father was there and, and they wish he wasn't there because of what he did to them. And, and, and if we don't allow God to heal that, then it, it really kind of, could I put it this way, it stifles our spiritual growth. And, and yet one of the things that Isaiah the prophet said, he goes, his name will be called Everlasting Father. Now, now sometimes Christians kind of get this little mixed up. They think of like Jesus, he's cool, man. I, I like Jesus, he's cool. I'd like to hang out with Jesus. But, but God the Father, I'm not so sure about him. Like, like he's some fuzzy-headed grandpa up in heaven with a, in a rocking chair with a big old bat, you know, just waiting for us to mess up and boom, he's going to, you know, come down on us. But that's not who he is at all. In, in fact, Jesus is the first one really to refer to God as Father. When the disciples came to him and said, teach us to pray, he said, okay, I will. And he gave us a model prayer. And he started, our Father. And it was almost like a collective... <gasps> Because no one had ever referred to him as that before. And Jesus constantly referred to him as father, father, father. And, and so I want to talk about who's your daddy. Like, like, what does it mean? Because it's not only our heavenly father, but, but the prophet Isaiah said Jesus will be the eternal father. 
This isn't God. This is Jesus he's talking about. His name will be called Everlasting Father, Eternal Father. And, and, and if we get this right, could I put it this way? If we understand this, it will help us so much to grow in our relationship with Jesus and in our relationship with our Heavenly Father as well. And so let me ask a question, and, and you'll understand why I asked this in just a minute. But, but let me ask you a question. Just think for just a minute. What's one of your favorite Christmas memories, like, like when you were a kid? Well, what's one of your favorite Christmas memories? Like It's just like, ah. Oh. I want to share with you one of my favorite Christmas memories. And, and I actually brought this, uh, and, and it's in a sealed container. This is a Christmas ornament of Robin Hood. Robin Hood. I made this ornament with my father when I was five years old. This ornament's 50 years old. And, and, and I remember when I was five years old, my dad bought a, a little craft kind of like a packet. And, and I, have two, I have three siblings, two older brothers and a younger sister. And, and he said to each of us, I want just you and I, just personal time. And, and I'm gonna make, we're going to make an ornament together. I was a little five-year-old Greg. I had beautiful like blonde hair back then, like a full head of it. It was gorgeous. It was really, it was gorgeous. I never thought, though, that, that 50 years later I'd be holding Robin Hood in my hand. You can't see it back there, but, but maybe in the front row, at least can you see the, the little bow? That's a toothpick. That's a toothpick that's 50 years old that my dad broke in, like, in two different places to bend it. Then he took a string and he tied the string. To, that's 50 years old. It's a clothespin. That's literally a clothespin made up to look like Robin Hood. Now, now here's the thing. This has withstood Christmas trees crashing in the middle of the night. We, how many of you ever gotten a live tree and, and you thought it was straight and you cut it and then you got it home and it was a leaner? You, you know, we, we've had too many of those. We name them Eileen and they go, and they crash. And we've, we've had ornaments smashed. I mean, all, all kinds of stuff. But, but Robin Hood has stood the test of time. And, and, and this year when I hung it on the tree, is a little different. Because my father's no longer with us. He passed in January. This is the first Christmas without my dad. And, and so when you see this ornament, you see Robin Hood. But when I see it, I see my father. This looks like Robin Hood to you, but to me, I see daddy. See, the disciples came to Jesus one time. And we're going to look at it in just a minute, but I want to give you the preview here. And they said, show us the Father. Show us our Heavenly Father. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because I and the Father, we're, we're, we're one. So see, it has to do with perspective. You see Robin Hood. I see Russ Williamson. And, and, and right now, I'm going to put this back in this airtight, sealed container to get it safely back home and get it back on the Williamson Christmas tree. And I'm going to turn that over to a security, and they're going to walk that down and lock it up in my office, on my desk. Thank you, Chris, very much. Let's give Chris a hand right there. I mean, just the fact that toothpick lasts 50 years, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? But, 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 but see, that's what I'm talking about, like father. A lot of Christians are cool with Jesus, but God the father, I'm not so sure about. And he's like, whoa, 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 we're the same. We're the same. And so his name will be called Everlasting Father. So here's a quick review of where we've been for the last few weeks. His name is wonderful. This takes care of the dullness of life. His name is counselor. This takes care of the decisions of life. His name is Mighty God. This takes care of the demands of life. That's what we talked about last week. Wonderful Counselor was week one. And then today, who's your daddy? His name is Everlasting Father. This takes care of the dimensions of life, every dimension. He's Everlasting Father, Eternal Father. And, and I, I already kind of paraphrased it, but look at it so you can see exactly where it is. Uh, in John chapter 14, verse 8, Philip, one of the disciples, one of the followers of Jesus, 
Philip comes to Jesus and he asks him, Lord, show us the Father and that'll be enough. He's like, if you just show us, like reveal who he really is to us, we're going to be good. Everything's going to be fine. And look at what Jesus answered. Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And so what I want to do during our time together, I, I want to primarily going to spend it in the first chapter of John because John just starts with a bang. The Gospel of John just starts with a bang. And, and, and I want to share with you three like incredible truths about God the Father and how Jesus actually is the eternal Father. Because Isaiah said he'll be called eternal Father. Now, we don't think of Jesus that way, but that's part of who he is as well. And, and, and these truths, if we'll allow these, if we'll allow these truths to like penetrate our heart, it, it will really, really help us in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Because he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It's just like, again, that ornament. You see Robin Hood, but I see Russ, my dad, Russ Williamson. And, and I think there's so much more that God just wants us to, like if there's that father wound in our hearts, I think God just wants to heal some folks today. But because it's holding us back from experiencing everything in the relationship with Christ that, that he wants us to, relate, to, to experience. Anyone, Jesus said, who has seen me has seen the Father. So when we read about Jesus, that's the Father in Scripture. So three all-inclusive truths of God, the Father, which Jesus came to interpret and reveal to you and I, that he is all three of these. The first is the Father of eternal life. Jesus is the Father of eternal life. Let's look at it, beginning in John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word. Now, now let, me, let me stop here and explain a little bit. I always, when people ask me, where, you know, I want to start reading the Bible, where should I start reading? I, I always, this is my little explanation, like the, the host team, they get tired of hearing me say this, explain it to them, like, give someone a Bible for the first time, they haven't had it. I'm like, don't, don't think of the Bible, the Bible was never meant to be read covered by, cover to cover. It's not, the books of the Bible aren't even in chronological order. And, and so, think of the Bible, when you think about Bible, think about a bookshelf. It's made up of 66 different books. And it's, like I said, it's not even chronological. And so you can choose what book you want to read. I always encourage people, if you're, if you're not real familiar with the Bible, start reading in the book of John. It's the fourth book in the New Testament. It's the fourth of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It, tell about, it tells about the life of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus on earth. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are, are good. You should go back and read them. But I always encourage people, John, because John, John starts and Jesus is 30. And he's like doing miracles. He's he like the, it's the action is happening. Matthew, Mark, and Luke is like the slow roll up to Jesus. And it's like his family tree, his heritage, and Obed begot Edom, and Edom begot, and there's all these names and all. And you're just like, it's a snoozeville. I mean, it really is. If you didn't have, if you didn't take all those classes I had to in Bible college and seminary, none of that means anything to you at all. But, but John is like, he is large and in charge. So here goes John, right in John chapter 1. And it says, in the beginning was the Word. Now notice, do you see that's a capital W? That, that, that means that's a, that's a personal name. That's one of the names of Jesus. He's the Word. In the beginning was Jesus. It's not a word. It's not like someone says something you agree with, and you're like, word? You know, that's not it at all. It, it's word. It's like he is the Word, okay? In the beginning was the Word. That's Jesus. Watch this. This, this is mind-blowing. And the Word was with God. A lot of Christians think first time Jesus ever showed up was when he was born in a manger. That is not what the Bible says. It says he's eternal. He always, before time began, Jesus was. Amen. And so he's the eternal father. So in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. So, so there's separation there as well. There are two different, actually three different beings uh, before time, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the word was God. So Jesus wasn't created. He always had, he's God himself. He's not, God didn't like, I'm kind of lonely. I'm just God the Father here. I'm going to create Jesus. He's not a created being. 
He's eternal. He is God himself. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, that, that's Jesus, he was with God in the beginning. Now, get ready for your mind to be blown. Through him, who's the him? The him is Jesus. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life. All of life emanates from Jesus. He's the creator and the sustainer of all life. That's why Jesus could stand at the tomb of Lazarus and say, come forth. And he got up and walked out when he was dead. Because all life emanates from him. And so think about this for a minute. Think about the humility of Jesus. That, that he's the one who said with his mouth, let there be light. And there was light. Let there be day and night. He humbles himself to the point of gaga goo goo mama da da ba ga ga. A child. It's absolutely mind blowing when you think about it. He humbled himself so much that, that he was dependent upon his parents to change his dirty diapers. God. Everlasting, completely dependent upon frail humanity. Mary and Joseph. That's who he's the everlasting father. He always has been. That's why the Bible says that he was and is and is to come. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who was and is and is to come. Jesus didn't just show up and start, he wasn't a created being. Angels were created, not Jesus. Jesus was not created. He always has been and always will be. Jesus is the eternal father. He's eternal life. Life is found in him. If you were to do a study, and I know you probably haven't, but I have, so trust me. Uh, if you were to count up how many times eternal life is mentioned in the Gospels, that, that phrase, that idea, eternal life, 45 times. 45 times between Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 45 times. You, you kind of get the idea God's trying to make a point, don't you? 45 times. Eternal life, eternal life, eternal life. Through Jesus. Through Jesus. Not only does he offer us quantity of life. I mean, eternity is a real long time. Let's, let's admit it. We can't even comprehend it with our mind. That, that like we are going to exist, whatever your birth date was, forever from that point on. We're, we're, we're eternal from that point on. But we had a starting point. Jesus didn't. Not only does Jesus offer us quantity of life, but he also offers us quality of life. A quality of life. That, that when we receive him as our Savior, we, that we receive eternal life, but that begins to change our life as well for the better. In fact, look at it this way. Uh, a passage in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, it, it says, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Who has? Jesus, God. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart. Yet, no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. Now, here's one thing I know. Some people, you're, you're looking at these, these, these invites on your, on your chair, and you're like, you know, I'd love to invite, you know, so-and-so, or, or I'd love to invite my neighbor or my family member to Christmas service. I just don't know how. I just don't know, you know, how, how, how do I, what's the hook? How do, how do I communicate this? You know, do I tell them, like, oh, man, you got to come. Like, like, the church is decorated beautiful. I don't, I don't think that's going to do it. Uh, you got to like, oh, oh, man, the, the worship's going to be fantastic. And the, maybe, but I don't think that's going to do it. Uh, maybe, like, man, our pastor is so cool. That's what's going to make them come right there. No, I'm just kidding. I was, uh, I'm kidding, Terrence. Like, I, I'm, I'm totally joking. Don't say that at all because I don't know that I am. But, but uh, that's not going to do it. But here's the thing. Every human being, God has placed an eternity vacuum in their heart. Every, all humanity, inside of us, we have a longing for, there's got to be something more than this. This, this, this just can't be it. This can't be all. 
Jesus is the one. God is the one that created human. Every one of us has eternity in our heart. Listen, I know some very, very influential people. I've had a chance to talk with some very influential people. You know what? They're empty in their heart if they don't know Jesus. Because only the eternal Father can fill that eternity vacuum in their soul. Only the eternal Father, only Jesus can do that. That's where you talk to them. That's where you speak to them. I, I know some really, really wealthy people, multi, multi-millionaires, you know what? If they don't have Jesus in their heart, they're still, there's, there's a vacuum and they know, and they're miserable. Absolutely miserable. Power will not fill that eternity hole. Money will not fill that eternity hole. Another human being cannot fill that eternity hole. Sex will not fill that eternity hole. People are looking for love in all the wrong places, looking for love in too many. I just went country on you right there uh, for just a minute. Nothing fills it. That's what you speak to. I've had opportunity to speak to, like, like I said, influential people, powerful people, and that's what I talk to. Like, like are you fulfilled? Do you really have joy? Where's your hope? That's it right there. Listen, I I can't give you hope. But I can point you to someone who is hope. And his name is Jesus. See, see, that's how you, you speak to that eternity hole that everyone has. I say, come to church with me on Christmas Eve because I want to help you. Because every one of us has that. He's the eternal father. So many people try filling that with with all kinds of stuff. Listen, I know I'm not talking about any of us. I'm talking about other people out there, right? Right? Not, not us in here. We wouldn't do this. But, but some people actually think, can you imagine? Some people actually think what they open up on Christmas morning is going to make them happy. Isn't that crazy? They actually think, like, man, if I get that, everything's going to be perfect. Except you felt that same way a week before Christmas last year. And you got it. And you're miserable. Because it doesn't fill the eternal. We're trying to fill it. But only the eternal father can fill the eternal hole that's in there. He has placed, set eternity in the human heart. No one else can. Only the eternal father can fill it with eternal life. Only Jesus can do that. Here's the second thing. He is the father of eternal light. Jesus is the father of eternal life. He's also the the father of eternal light. Let's drop back in verse 4, John chapter 1. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Think about it. Caesar couldn't overcome it. He tried to stomp out Christianity. He couldn't do it. Tyrants and dictators have risen. They have fallen. Countries have risen. They have fallen. Dynasties, all that have risen and fallen, trying to stomp it out. And the light is still shining. And Christianity has never once had a year of negative growth globally in history. Never once. Continues to spread over and over the globe. Mind-blowing, some of the things that, that, that Susie and I were able to, to hear reports from, from literally all over the world just last month uh, in, in really a, a gathering of leaders from, from you know, every, the far corners of the earth of what God is doing all over the planet. Why? Because he's the father of light. It, it says that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. So this is referring to John the Baptist, Jesus' older cousin. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. 
and he was in the world. This is speaking of Jesus. And through, and, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. There it is again. Jesus made everything. One translation says, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. You know, I, I think we, we should definitely do all that we can to invite people to, to like, our Christmas service. We, we, we need to do everything we can to share the gospel, the, the good news, share our faith with other people. But understand this. Just like people didn't recognize the light when he came into the world 2,000 years ago, a lot of folks are not going to recognize him today either. He, he came to his own, and his own received him. He was in the world, and though, he, and though the world uh, was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Just think about that for a minute. When, when Jesus was on the cross, pretty much everyone left him. Everyone turned their back on him except for like th three people, John, the apostle, Jesus' mother, Mary, Mary Magdalene, that's it. Everybody else is gone. All the rest of the disciples, gone. Where, where, was, where, was, where was the blind man that Jesus healed? You ever think about that? Where was the lame man that, that was crippled from birth? And Jesus says, arise, take up your mat and walk. And he walked. Where are the lepers that Jesus healed of their, their skin disease? What about the 5,000 people that Jesus fed? None of them recognized he's God. They all left him. Only John, Mary his mother, and Mary Magdalene. M maybe we shouldn't be so hard on folks that don't recognize Jesus, who he is. Because people have been overlooking him for 2,000 years. It's heartbreaking to think about because it's to their own hurt. But, but it still happens. He, he, came, he created it all. And though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. And, and that's how you receive eternal life is through receiving him for who he is. And so I, I think let that kind of like make us tender and gentle as we should be. Share our faith, yes, but understand the, the response is out of our hands. We're not responsible for their reaction or response. We just need to make sure we do it in the right way. He is the father of light. Why do we, you ever wonder, why do you put light on a Christmas tree? Why? Because Jesus is the light. Why, why are Christmas trees evergreen? Because it stands for eternal life. Why do we give gifts at Christmas? None of this makes any sense apart from Jesus. None of it does. We give gifts because he's the greatest gift that was ever given. Every time that you give a gift, every time I receive a gift, and I'm really looking forward to it, Todd, every time I receive a gift that Todd's going to get me for Christmas, I just let that sit in for a minute, my expectation, yeah. Every time I receive, like, like he's, he's acting like God the Father. And the gift is like Jesus. We're reenacting the gospel. Every, I'm just kidding with you, man. I am. Every time. Last night we went, we went to see, Susie and I and some friends went to see the Christmas lights. Why would you do that? That makes no sense. It's the most random thing in the world. It makes no sense whatsoever. Except for Jesus. Because he, sa he said, I am the light of the world. The light came. He is not only eternal father, he's eternal light. And, and, and every single time, we celebrate with those lights. I mean, we're, we're really reenacting him, the one who came. Jesus is eternal light. There's two ways that he's eternal light. Just think about this. First of all, he shows us who we really are. 
So the light shines into your life, the light shines into my life and shows us who we really are. Now, here's the thing. I didn't say who we want to be. And he doesn't show us who we're trying to pretend to be, who we want everybody else to think we are. He shows us what's really going on inside. He is the eternal light. And so what does that mean? Our awareness of sin is in direct proportion to our nearness of God. Let me say that again. Some of you didn't get it. Our awareness of sin is in direct proportion to our nearness of God. In other words, the closer that, that any person grows in their relationship with God, you know what? All of a sudden, you, you, don't, you, you don't point the finger at other folks just nearly as much. Because you just realize, as the light is shining in my life, you realize how sinful my own heart is. And so, God, I need you every hour. I need you so desperately. When's the last time? Has it been a year? A, a, a month? A week? A day? This hour? When, when you come face to face with some just dark and just bad stuff inside your heart. See, the closer you get to Jesus, the more he shows you what's really in there. And the more you realize, I need him more now than I ever have. I thought I needed him a little bit back then. Now, I, I need him so much more. Because the light, the eternal light shines and shows us who we are. John Wesley, who was the founder of the Methodist movement, just a tremendous influential uh, Christian in, in church history, when he was, he grew up in a Christian home, but when he went off to college, a very prestigious college in, in the UK, in England today, still one of the top uh, colleges, universities on the planet, and he began to kind of waver in his faith in Christ. And, and he wrote back home to his mother, her, his mother's name was Susanna Wesley, he wrote back a letter and he asked his mother, he said, what really is sin after all, mom? I, I mean, isn't sin just some kind of human concept or psychological to just trying to keep us all in line. Now, Susanna Wesley was this incredibly gracious and godly woman, just a hero of the Christian faith. And she wrote back, this is her response to her son who's wavering in his faith and having doubts. And I have it up on the screen because this is so good, you're going to want to you know, like take a picture of this. It's in your notes also on the website. This is a mother's response, Susanna Wesley's response to her son's question, what really is sin? And what she said is this, whatever weakens your reason, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, or takes away the relish of spiritual things, whatever increases the authority of your body over your mind, that thing for you is sin. Mic drop right there. And he turned back to Christ in his faith and ended up years later establishing the Methodist church. So, so just think about it. anything that, that like gets my eyes off of the condition of my heart is basically what, what's being said there. And, and it changes my focus onto other things that really make me avoid what's really going on in my heart distract me from the, the true me inside, that's sin. Because anytime I'm feeling pretty good about myself, means I'm not very, very close to Jesus. Because when I really look inside there, man, I, I, I got to stay as close to him as possible because I see what's going on there. So that's one of the ways that, that the eternal light, Jesus, shines it. He shines it and he shows us who we really are, but he doesn't leave us there. You ready? He not only shows us the eternal light in our heart, shows us who we really are. The next thing is he shows us who we can become with him. He, he shows us who we're intended to be. He shows us who he created. He shows us the purpose for which he put us on the planet, why we're breathing, why we have air in our lungs. He shows us what we can become. I try, and I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I'm great at it, but, but I try to the best of my ability to, when, when, when I speak to you on a Sunday, I try to speak to you not from where you are, 
but where you can become, what you can become, what your potential is, where you're going with him. Try, try to, I try to talk up to you. Where would you get an idea like that from? Jesus. That's what Jesus did. Jesus always talked up to people, talk up, called them up to, to bigger and greater things. So he not only shows us who we are, he also shows us who we can become. See, success is not the right of a Christian's life. You're not guaranteed success in this life because you follow Jesus. But I do believe that often it is the result of a Christian's life when they're allowing the, the light of Jesus to shine into their hearts, show them who they really are, and, and also the light of Jesus to also show them who we can become and, and say, God, change my heart, change my life, change my perspective. You know what follows all those things? Success. Success on the job, success in marriage, success in, in your relationships and your friendship. Because he's changing us to become who it is he always intended for us to be. Three words that, that really, let me just give you this. This is kind of like a separate thing. It's not going to cost you anything extra or anything today. Three words that really separate great people from ordinary. You ready for it? You may want to write this down too. Ready? Three words. And then some. And then some. See, ordinary people do what's required and that's all. Great people do what's required, and then some. O ordinary people just want to know what is the minimum. Great people, what is the minimum, and then some. Jesus called this going the extra mile, and he said, all my followers are supposed to do it. He commanded us, and then some. And then some. Nine o'clock right over here in this area, nine o'clock service right over here in this area, I looked up and I saw, I saw two, two young men. They're, they're almost 30 now. They're sitting there next to their, their, their wives. I've known both of them since they're 16 years old. I, I was their high school coach, John Jay, football coach. And those two men... From the time I met them, they were and then some young men. Because they were always the first on the field for practice. They were always cleaning up the field after practice. There were some on the team that just did the basics. And you know what they were? Average people. But those two fellas, they were and then some. And you know what? They're and then some now in their marriages. They don't just like, what is a husband supposed to be? It's like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be as a husband. And then some. Right after service, one of them said, went over to host team, like, I need, I need to talk to coach for a minute. And I told him, like, anytime they want to talk, need to get me. And, and I came out of my office. I was like, hey, what's up? And like, coach, I just want to tell you something. I'm like, what's going on? I'm going to be a daddy first time. And I was like, I'm so proud of you. You're going to be a great daddy. And he said, how do you know, coach? I said, because you've always been a and then some person. As long as I've known you. And then some. Maybe the, you know, New Year's is coming. Maybe the New Year's resolution. Sometimes I get a word. I just, just a word. Maybe Maybe we need a three-word New Year's resolution. God, help me to be a and-then-some person. See, because then what happens is when you become an and-then-some, you begin to shine your light around everybody else. You begin to stand out from the crowd because no longer are you a minimum, just tell me what they expected. I'm just going to meet that. Now all of a sudden you're going that extra mile and you become and-then-some. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And then he turns it around another place. He goes, you're the light of the world. Look at this. In the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, it says, those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky. He's talking about you and me. And those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. Did you catch that? Eternal light. Stars shining forever. 
Jesus is the eternal light. He shows us who we are, really. But he doesn't leave us there. He also shows us what we can become with him. Maybe, maybe right now, just turn to somebody next to you and just look at him and say, you're a star. You're a star. That's what he wants for you. He wants you to be a star, to shine. And every time I do that, nobody ever turns to me and says nothing, and I always feel bad. That's why I don't like doing that. Yeah, you know, no one is, you know, you're a star. Thank you, baby. Oh, that feels so good. That just hit me hard in the heart right there. But that's, that's what Jesus wants for you. But you, you, you don't shine your light fulfilling the minimums. The way you shine, the way you stand out, the way you shine is by becoming an and then some person. And that's what Jesus wants to do. That's what he said of his followers. Go in the extra mile. So many, so many other things like that. So, real quick, Jesus is the one of, he is eternal life. Jesus is eternal light. Here's the third one. Jesus is eternal love. Jesus is eternal love. And what I want to do right now is I just want to, I just want to read through about the, these first 19 chapters of the book of John. And I want you to just like let this kind of like this wave just wash over you. Because this is who Jesus is. He's the eternal father. And maybe your earthly father messed you up. Maybe he wasn't there for you. Maybe he didn't care for you the, the way that, that you needed to be cared for. But, 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 but let's unhitch those things we're projected onto our eternal father from our earthly father. Because your eternal father, Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He never has and he never will. He didn't say, I'm going to smooth out the road and you're never going to have a bump. He didn't say that. But he said, I'll be with you. I'll be with you through it all. And so let me just read this, John chapter 1. And, and just, just listen with your heart. This is your eternal father. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Did, did, did you hear that? Is there, the, so many, the, there's a common misunderstanding that humanity, we're all God's children. That is not the teachings of Scripture. We become God's children when we receive God's Son and eternal life. That's when we, we begin to become God's child. It's not humanity in general. It's those who have received His Son. That's what it says right there in John chapter 1. It goes on and it says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son 
who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. John the Baptist was actually older than Jesus and he said, but, but, but he's been here before I was. He recognized he's always been here. He's the eternal father. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace, already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. He's revealed our Heavenly Father because he is the eternal Father. You know, Victor Hugo actually put it this way. He said, uh, the supreme happiness of life is the conviction that we are loved. That is the greatest conviction that we can ever have. We're loved. And, and it, it, maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't feel love. I, I question sometimes if anybody really, really loves me for who I am. Uh, let me just help you. Jesus does. And he knows exactly who you are. He knows everything you've done. And that doesn't change his love for you at all. There's nothing you ever can do that will change his love for you. See, there's two different kinds of love. There's unconditional love. That's, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. That's how God loves us. Then there's conditional love. I love you if you just, you got to do these things and then I'll love you in return. Your, my love will be a reward. That's completely conditional love. That's not the way God loves us. The Bible puts it this way. God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Never be good enough to earn it. Don't deserve it. Maybe your earthly father made you work for his love and approval. That's not God the Father. That's not the eternal Father. That's why he sent Jesus. It's a gift. Eternal life is a gift. We just receive it. That's all we do. And it becomes ours. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to earn it. We don't deserve it. We simply receive the gift. That's how much he loves you. He is wonderful counselor. He is mighty God. He is everlasting father. That's who your daddy is. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, just thank you this Christmas morning that, Lord, for many of us, we've allowed imperfect fathers. We, we all have imperfect parents, Lord. We've allowed imperfect fathers, Lord. We've projected that onto you as our perfect Heavenly Father. Lord, thank you for loving us so well, so completely, so deeply that you sent us Jesus to show us who you are. And Father, may we this Christmas, Lord, may we open our hearts up to Jesus as our eternal Father. Allow his light to shine his eternal light to shine in our hearts. Show us who we really are. And Lord, thank you that he didn't leave us there, but he shows us who we truly can become with him. And Lord, may we just receive your eternal love this Christmas. We pray and we ask in Jesus' name, amen.
Now what I want to do is just speak one of the many blessings over you that's recorded for us in the pages of Scripture. And God gave this particular blessing found in the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. And he said, when these words are spoken over my people, my name is being put upon my people. If you'd like to receive this blessing right now, I just invite you to open your hands like you're receiving a, a gift from God today. Because these words truly are a gift that he gave that I'm honored to speak over you right now. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you. And may he give you his peace. God bless you, Valley family. Merry Christmas.